Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Thank you for being here. To everything there is a season and a time. To every purpose under the heavens. Now I'm not going to go in and read all this, but you know what this scripture says. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to bring forth that which is planting on and on about a time. You can read that. There is a season. Everybody say a season. A season. Ren got upset with me. She's probably going to get up. She's probably going to not like me saying this, but she got upset with me and I'm just having fun with her because I came home from Hobby Lobby. I've got this nice little habit, Sister Maddie. Now I go to Hobby Lobby and whatever plates paper plates are in season, I buy the plates just to kind of add some festive to uh, our house. So if it's Easter, we got the Easter plates. Fourth of July, we had Fourth of July plates. A week or two ago, I drug home some Thanksgiving plates. She said, Dad is too early for that. We're still in the summer. We don't want Thanksgiving plates laying around. So I guess I was, in essence, jumping season. I said, well, that's all they have. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. We're fixing to change seasons here real quick. There's a season, right? One translation says this. For everything, this original says there's a season. This translation says for everything, there is a fixed time. Would you say that with me? A fixed time. And a time for every business under the sun. John chapter 5 and verses 1 through 4. Stay with me. I'll read quickly. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to, the Jeru- up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep and market pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. I've been there. It was really interesting. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season, a certain time. The angel went down at a fixed time into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever first after the trouble of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. My subject here for a few moments, a season of opportunity. A season of opportunity. Oh, the Lord has got his mark on this service. Somebody help me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. The author and the finisher of the faith. Praise.
Well, hallelujah. I know he's not here, but I tell you what I'm ready to do. I'm telling you, I'm ready ready for Moses to step out and raise his staff like he did the frogs and just tell this pandemic it can go back where it came from. Oh, God can send it. Let's just lift our hands. Come on, let's pray before we preach the word of the Lord here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Great things in store for the church. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. I speak for my wife as well. We love you, wonderful people. You're an awesome church. I'm just a blessed man to be where I am. And thank you for that. God bless you. You may be seated. Will you all help me preach? Now, it's going to take a little extra help. I don't want to have to do what they're doing in the NBA and have fake noise Fans, We don't need fake fans. We got the real fans here. Clap your hands if you help me here for just a minute. Thank you. You know, outside of the spiritual and uh, the soul, mountain climbing is one of my favorite subjects. And though I've never really climbed a mountain, I don't know that I've gone up much of a hill. And I don't know that I have a desire to. But mountain climbing really intrigues me. And I've preached about this before. I've read several books about it. And uh, because there are so many parallels uh, to the spiritual journey that we are embarking upon, uh, that that there are so many parallels and um, uh, so many things that we can relate to. And the Bible even talks about mountains and, and climbing mountains and so forth. There are ups and downs in our walk with the Lord. There are great mountains in the world. I could talk about Mount McKinley. My good friend Jimmy Blackshear was explaining to us when we were in Alaska, uh, well, quite a few years ago, but he told us that that mountain is so great and so powerful that it literally can dictate the weather. It uh, has an influence on the weather. I think McKinley might be 18,000, 18,000, 20,000 feet high. But uh, obviously the most prominent mountain that comes to our mind when we talk about mountain climbing is the highest mountain on earth, and that is of Mount Everest. Uh, Measures over 29,000 feet. It is a part of the Himalayan mountain range in Asia, located on the border between Nepal and Tibet, China. I have a few uh, articles, uh, what have you, uh, in my office, and today would not be the day, but maybe in a year, a year and a half, or if the Lord would just move, you could maybe come next week. But sometime if you want to pop in my office, I have a picture in there. It is a picture of Mount Everest, and it means a lot to me, and the reason why is because it is a picture that I personally took on, um, we did a little um, venture, and they flew you past Mount Everest so you could see it, and it was just incredible that I actually got to view Mount Everest and took that picture. The highest mountain in the world attracts climbers of all levels, from well-experienced mountaineers to novice climbers. They're willing to pay substantial sums to professional mountain guides, and they want to complete this successful climb. The mountain really does not 
oppose much of a uh, substantial technical difficulty from climbing standards such as other mountains like K2 or Nanyafabet. Uh, they are much more difficult mountains, but it still has many inherent dangers such as altitude sickness and weather and wind. And uh, many people have died on Mount Everest. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, climbers uh, that climb this mountain, uh, they pay such a high price, uh, thousands of dollars, $25,000, $50,000 to climb this mountain. But it's claimed these many lives. And uh, in 1996, it claimed eight people who perished in a horrific storm on the mountain. But they are so difficult that there's an area that is called the death zone, the death zone. Many corpses litter the death zone, and they are still there and can be seen because no one can take them down because uh, it's such a, a terrible place to be. And though I could tell you many mountain climbing stories, not that I have personally, but that I have read about, and uh, no doubt they could intrigue you and maybe grab your attention, I want to focus to one simple item when it comes to Mount Everest, mountain climbing, especially Mount Everest. Uh, you say, well, hey, I'd like to climb Mount Everest, come up with $50,000 and, uh, and uh, take a, a particular, maybe a month out of your life and you might be able to do it. Well, I'll have to work it into my schedule. And uh, if I'm going to climb it, I'll have to climb it in November when I have a few weeks off of my work or I'll climb it in January after the holidays or, or I'll try to climb uh, Mount Everest around April here is the point that I make to you today, is in order to climb Mount Everest, it's not like you can pick and choose to go to an amusement park or Gatlinburg or wherever you go for your vacation. You can't pick your spots. You have to climb the mountain when the season is open for mountain climbing. And when it comes to Mount Everest, that season is only throughout maybe the, the uh, month of May and a part of June. You can't climb Mount Everest in the fall or in the winter. It, the, the weather is way too horrific. And so it is a window that opens up. And you must climb in that particular few weeks of a season in order for you to be able to climb. Why? Because it is too difficult of a climb. I've come to proclaim today that we are living in a particular season in our world. We are living in a particular time. Amen. We are living in a time like we've never been in before. Well, I shouldn't say that because we were there in this time in 1918 and other times in the world. But we that are living, my mother's 92 years of age and she has never seen a time like the time that we are living in. But have you noticed that there are different, uh, uh, what do I want to say, companies, individuals, corporations or whatever, they are taking advantage of the season in which we are living. Now, I didn't come up to preach and get involved in politics or anything of that nature. But I will say that we are all here today and we are all wearing masks. And somebody, somebody on eBay, amen, 
they have got me because I bought a few masks on the internet and I bought a mask at Lowe's and I bought a last, uh, I bought another extra one at GNC. I've come to the realization that are y'all going to help me preach this? That if you're not wearing a disposable mask and you better have two or three lined up, somebody help me out. And I won't elaborate on that. But somebody's making money off of selling masks. Your beautiful pastor's wife up here, y'all know she's always got to have her swag on. So she can't just wear a, a regular mask. She's going to have a nice looking mask. You know, she, she's always, and some of y'all are wearing these beautiful masks. And some of us, we just like, we just got to get in. The, <laughs> we just got to get it taken care of. Just give me a little uh, white. Ma- but somebody's making money from the season. I, I take a look at these riots that are going on. We got two situations going on in our country. And the Black Lives Matter movement. And I noticed that everybody's wearing these t-shirts. Now somebody, no doubt, has marketed, they have got a uh, patent on that slogan. And they are marketing that. And, and uh, somebody's making money off of the t-shirts. Uh, somebody's making money off of the slogan. Somebody is making money off of the testing that's going on. Somebody's going to make a whole lot of money. Some drug corporation is going to make an immense amount of money when they finally figure out uh, that they uh, have come up with an antibiotic uh, or when they've come up uh, with something to combat against uh, this uh, pandemic uh, that we are in the midst of. Why? They are taking taking, uh, a season and they are making a siege on it and they are taking opportunity of it. Uh, I want to proclaim to the church uh, that if there's ever a time the world needs the church, uh, and I know it's the same preaching... It's the same preaching that was preached over Parkview in the 60s and the 70s. It's the same preaching that's been preached here at the river. It's the same statement. But if there's ever an opportunity for the church to have revival, today is the day of revival. You know, when you begin to compress something together, it always begins to shoot up. I believe that the church has been in the midst of compression, spirit and devils and pandemics and the world upside down. But I believe there's a revival coming in the end time hour and it's time for the church to take opportunity. Clap your hands if you believe what I'm preaching. Amen, amen. This is the day to cease. Amen. This is the day for the church to have revival. I thank the Lord. And uh, I don't think that I'd mentioned this before. I'm going to go ahead and mention it here today. But my mom told me something. I thank the Lord that I'm here today. Amen. I, I thank the Lord that he opened up a door for, for me just to be here. Brother Schwartz. Amen. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm just glad I'm here. If you're glad you're here, just wave your hand a little bit. My mom told me, and maybe I mentioned this before. I'm getting older, so if I'm repeating myself, my dad used to repeat stories, so here we go. But my mom told me that in 1918, in 1918, that my grandfather, my mom's dad, came back 
in, from World War I. He was only 21 years old, born in the 1800s, and I, I met him and knew him as a, as a kid, and I'm glad that I had that privilege. But he came back from World War I, and the Spanish flu had hit the United States, and he found his mother and all of his sisters were dead from the Spanish flu. And so my, my grandfather, here's his mother, all of his sisters are gone. Can you imagine what that would have done to a 21 uh, young uh, year old man, uh, Michael Harless, to come home and all of these people are dead? But the bottom line is this the Lord had some sort of plan for my life because if he hadn't, have, if he hadn't have been away at the war, my wonderful mother would not have been uh, born and she wouldn't have grown up and she wouldn't have married my dad and they wouldn't have come to this city so I feel like preaching I got to feel the Holy Ghost and the anointing and we wouldn't have had revival and 16 young people at that little white church uh, across from Longfellow School that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost one after another they wouldn't have evangelized and singing everywhere and guess what else uh, I wouldn't be here my sister my brothers wouldn't be here uh, my children uh, I wouldn't have married this wonderful lady I don't know maybe I maybe y'all want to throw me out the back door I don't know but I feel like that God has got up he's got his hand on things and you know what with the season that God's given me the opportunity I'm not gonna lay back I'm gonna take advantage of it I refuse to sit back but I want to stand up and say look what the Lord has done I'm ready for a great and mighty revival somebody clap your hands and give the Lord some great praise when that door opens I want to walk through it. Amen. Amen. I thank this wonderful church. You know, we talk about, we haven't said much about it here lately, but Fishers has turned in such a great and thriving church and the Lord doing great things. The attendance there today uh, was just incredible. The spirit of the Lord moving there. You know what? And people, they want to talk about me and give me personal credit. I appreciate it, but I'm too, I, I'm too humble and too wise to, I hope that I'm halfway wise to understand that it didn't come from me, but it's this great church that sits before me. It's these wonderful people that stepped up to the plate and took, amen, I'm trying to remember what it was called, what was it called, the horseshoe, what did we call it? Horseshoe Bend, yeah, but what did we call it? We called it something. I don't remember what we called it, but anyway, you guys came to the, you came, amen, to the challenge of it, and we seized, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, we seized an opportunity. When the door opened up, we took it, and we were over there, and my sister, who has been sick, and I know you all are praying for her, we drove up and back and forth to that hotel, and we had a lot of fun with it. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I went down there to a little candlelight service one night, and there was only about four or five people, and uh, I never one time, amen, regretted. I never one time felt dismayed. I never one time said to myself or to the Lord, for that matter, why in the world am I doing this? This is a waste of time. That never entered. We just kept hammering away. We kept striving, and, and we went from hotel space to, to uh, the rental space, and one thing after another, and all of a sudden, the Lord drops this big, giant church in our lap. I'm talking about opportunity. If you folks hadn't have gone, amen, and came to the challenge,
challenge. It would have never happened if you had not given and prayed and given your time and driven back and forth. And that church is going to do great things. And it gives to missions. Amen. And people receive the Holy Ghost and are baptized. And lives are changed. Why? Because a church seized, took a hold of a season of opportunity. I don't want to be withholding, but I want to open up myself. I feel like preaching to somebody. I know the weather's not right. I know the winds are blowing on the mountain. I know they're riding in the streets and spraying graffiti. I know everything is upside down. I know that racism is on the loose. I know things are topsy-turvy there's a pandemic. But I've come to let the church know if you hold on, we're going to get to the top of the mountain. And God's about to do something great in this season. Would you clap your hands and magnify the name of the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I know that the grasshopper is eaten. I know the locusts have come in, but hold on. He's going to put them on the run. God's going to bring revival. Yes, he is. Would you give the Lord some great praise? Come on, somebody clap your hands. Feel the anointing of the Lord in this place. I feel the anointing of the Lord in this place. Amen. And I know the end result of the story, as I read it in my text, is that Jesus walks up and says, Arise, take up your bed and walk. Ah, I believe it's, for the ch- it's time for the church to get up and start walking. But I want to remind you that the, that the beginning of that story says that there was an angel whew, that would come in in a particular season and trouble the water. There's an angel that would come in and hover over the top of the water. An angel that would come in and flutter over the water. The Bible talks about that, that the Lord moved in the book of Genesis on the face of the water. He hovered over the top of it. He fluttered over the top of it and that angel would come in and move on the top of that water in that season in that set time in that particular time I want to let the church know that I know we've been seemed like that was sitting on the sidelines and the devil has got things paralyzed but I've come to serve notice on the enemy from hell and every spirit and every demonic activity I've come to serve notice that there's a season coming I said there's a season coming and God's about to hover on the water God's about to move on the water, the Holy Ghost is about to do something great. There's a revival coming in this end time hour. Somebody give the Lord some great praise if you would. Oh, come on, somebody stand to your feet. Somebody magnify the Lord. I feel the anointing of the Lord moving in this house. Help me out. Hallelujah. There is an opportunity. There's an opportunity. Hey, there's an opportunity of revival. Would you lift your hands? Would you magnify the Lord?
You got to find the right time and the right season to climb Mount Everest. I'm going to go ahead and say it. And if you're going to climb it, you better have a climbing guide. Uh, in all humility, and the Lord touched me, that would be me. I can get you up there. Oh, yes, I can. I can tell you what to do to get up to the top. You stay with me. We're going to the top, folks. I know I'm older than 50, but I can still get you to the top. I can get you to heaven. I know what to tell you. Hallelujah. You got to have a climbing guide. If you're going to get to the top, you got to do it in the right season. You better have a guide. Ah, and let me tell you something else. It ain't for free. You got to pay a price. There's a fee. He's already paid the price. He's already paid the fee. You're walking. Mm. But there's got to be some sacrifice. Mm-mm-mm. There's got to be some sacrifice. But we're going to get to the top. We're going to seize this opportunity. I'm done. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, church. This is a door of opportunity. The window is opening up. Hallelujah. Thank you. I want to begin to sing. I know they're going to do it well. I want them to begin to sing this song I requested. Season. Would you step out from where you are? I just wonder if we could get some commitments. We could get... I feel the Holy Ghost. Hey! It's a new season. It's a new season. Hey! It's a new day. It's a new day.